Come and join us this morning. It's Monday morning. It's Deep South Dining, and you are tuned to MPB Think Radio. Good morning, Carol. How are you? Good morning, Mal. Good morning, Java. And from the sound of that music, we are still rocking, rolling, and marching from the weekend from St. Patty's Day Parade. Correct. And if one has seen the Cooking and Coping page... uh, you will see that the three of us are pictured together in our various uh, and sundry uniforms before the marching on Saturday. Java, it was your first time out. Give us a report. Oh man, it was it was great. I appreciate the invitation, and uh, I was I was dressed to the nines, and uh, <laughs> you know everybody had a good time. I couldn't wait to see my kids when we pass uh, across from Thayumar Hall. Uh, right there on Court Street, they were there, and um, it, it was it was it was a great time. Well, for our listeners, let's just tell right. a little bit about the parade. First of all, Malcolm, how did y'all estimate the crowds? Uh, I wasn't involved in that. It was just a huge crowd. Well, did, did was, you see a number published? No, somewhere? I didn't. I was. Yeah. I thought you. Might, I mean, it was tens of thousands. Oh, yeah, yeah. There were tens of a thousands. A sea of folk. Uh, at least fifty thousand, probably a lot more. But um, people were just so ready to, to That's be the word, out. Carol, ready. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Java, I had to park. I mean, a mile from Helen Mouse, all the way down Court Street, behind the convention center, behind Cathead. And there were people all up Court Street with yeah. tents, grilling, and Tailgating. having just a wonderful time. It was just kind of, it was heartwarming to see. Yeah, real festive in the city. Thank you again, Malcolm. Like I told you on Saturday, you know, y'all started just marching in the streets. Now it's a, it's a thing. It is yeah, a thing. And, and when did you start it? 1983. I think I've been participating since 1985, 84, 85. Wow. Well, anyway, for our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, we're talking about this past Saturday was the 37th annual Howe St. Patty's Parade in downtown Jackson. Uh, After a two-year pause due to COVID, we returned in a magnificent fashion and uh, had hundreds of thousands of people everywhere, and a beautiful time was had by all and, and I, we are whooped. We're a little tired, a little scratchy throat here this morning. But uh, Java, were you surprised about how many people were screaming and yelling your name? And now that is, I was, I, I, I did have my head on the <laughs> swivel as we were marching, marching down the streets because I, I was, I was really playing it kind of low, and I would find myself in the middle a lot just to, you know, not be in too much of the ruckus. But people were calling my name and. Uh, I did hug a few necks and saw some saw some friends, so it was yeah. it was great. Well, I think it's a high honor for you to be invited to be in the Otux Society, which is the oldest marching group of the the original. Yeah, marching. oldest marching group, but certainly the Sweet Potato Queens uh, were in the very first parade, and the Otux Society was not. We weren't organized at that point. We didn't enter until later. Before we leave the subject, can we describe your? Your, your outfit, outfit well, because it was first typical of, all, of an O-tuxer. Java and I <laughs> were dressed in our O-Tux marching outfits because that's the group we're in. But, Carol, you're in a different group. You're a judge. You're a buckethead. So you had on a different outfit. Yes. Uh, I am a buckethead judge, and the buckethead judges were created many years ago by the great architect and bon vivant, Sambo Mockby. 
and we wear green robes, mm-hmm. judges' robes, yes. bright green. But we also have green buckets on our heads. And the reason for that there is twofold. Right. One, we want to remain anonymous because we are judging people. We are judging people, and they suck up to us to be judged. And the second thing is because they throw us things trying to curry favor, and they hit us in the head. Those are like bribes. Yeah, they're bribes, and that is a protective device. And, of (laughs) course, the buckets are well-decorated. But So there you go. Well, just... In case you don't know, folks, we're very excited about our little parade, and uh, we had a great year. The weather was beautiful, and uh, we do it all for Children's of Mississippi. We we raise money and awareness for the work at UMMC for Mississippi's only children's hospital, and it is there for research and for health care for children, regardless of their parents' ability to pay. And it, it does it's the Lord's work, and we're proud to be a part of it. It's a beautiful thing. So I uh, kind of had a rough week before the parade. I got a stomach virus on Monday. And so the week leading up to the parade, I was sort of puny. And uh, I found myself thinking about and really having to turn to my innermost uh, curative uh, thoughts because I could not be sick on parade day. And so I turned to my standard when I'm not feeling well, and that is soup. No great surprise that uh, that would be the thing that uh, sort of restoreth my soul and my health when I'm not feeling well. And so I brought in a little bit of, uh, of stuff I wanted to read this morning. I wrote this. Uh, this was to be a forward uh, of a book about my brother's soup recipes. When he passed... He left some 400-plus soup recipes. And uh, I had written this book proposal and made, you know, written an introduction and and so forth and so on. But we've never published the book, but it remains unpublished. But, you know, I have all of these notes and things that I've written about it, and I wanted to share a little bit about a little bit of that with you all this morning, if you will indulge me. First of all, Ludwig van Beethoven once said, the, only the pure in heart can make a good soup. <laughs> a big pot of ingredients reduced by heat and combined by osmosis is the closest thing I have ever seen to salvation on earth. A well-placed spoon is a powerful utensil. And while the knife may be more historical and versatile, of the tabletop trio, the spoon is certainly the most celebrated, beloved, and poetic. All right, um, a couple of of these soup uh, curative powers are are often known, and some aren't. To me, nothing heals, comforts, comforts, and says home better than a steaming bowl set before a conflicted, harmed, hurting, or homesick person. Soup is a lot like the love of family. It works when nothing much else does. Rightly, much has been made of the curative powers of soup. A couple of well-known examples are the chicken soup for the soul remedy and the spicy Mexican hangover cure of Menuno. But in my life, only tomato soup 
and saltine crackers have, will consult me in times of sickness, heartbreak, or misery. You want a bowl of soup, my parents would ask as a child when I was under the weather or out of sorts. And that was always my go-to. A little further on, I wrote, in the kitchens of my grandparents, both households, the, the kitchen was the center of family, community, and even borders in the case of my white grandmother. People coming and going daily for their meals, fellowship, and a place to refresh. The stoves were always warm and the pantry well aplenty. Tea was served at the Stewart's, strong coffee at the White's. Pies, cakes, cookies were plentiful and perpetual. There was always a pot to stir, a lid to remove or replace, a dish cooling in the windowsill. My mama Stewart's, although there was always sassafras tea on the stove or the heater, depending on the season. And at Pat's house, that was our white grandmother's name, a continuous pot of coffee percolated. I know now that warm liquid sustenance is spiritual. Soup was a common denominator, and it was inexpensive, meditative, aromatic food for the masses, and it comforted all who were involved. From this environment, my brother Hal became a master soupmeister. He learned early at the helm of frugal grandmothers, but later from the Creole and Gulf Coast chefs, the mastery of rich gumbos, enchanting cubions, and quick oyster stews and aromatic seafood bisques. He was hands down the very best soup chef in Mississippi for his entire 30-plus professional years behind the range at Howlin' Miles. No one could approach his one-pot touch, and that is true to this day, long after his departure on March the 28th in 2013. Wow. Well, there you that, have it. That is, is very moving, and something you said last week really touched me uh, about Brother Hal, and you changed the name of the parade from Mal's St. Patty's Day Parade to Hal's St. Patty's Day Parade. And what you said was, I truly believe as long as you say someone's name, that they are still with you. And Hal is still with us in so many ways. And it, it was very fitting that at his funeral, a large copper soup pot was at the front of the church. Right, holding with, the floral arrangement. Holding, <laughs> holding a, a floral arrangement. And at, at your wedding recept, at your uh, wedding dinner, you actually served soup long after Hal was gone that you had frozen the last soup he'd ever made. That's and right. we enjoyed that as a communion in his memory. Soup is love, Carol. Soup is love, and at the Malcolm White House, there's always soup on the stove. Always. And you're, you're teaching the next generation. You and your granddaughter make soup all the time. We make soup constantly. That's right. Ren is a great soup maker. Yeah. That's well, it. obviously, it did you well because you look great. Sorry you were puny. Yeah. You know, a little tomato soup is a good thing. All right, we're going to take a couple calls here. Mike is calling us from Hernando, Mississippi. Hello, Mike. What's happening? 
uh, a question, please, and a point. Uh, I have friends that have moved here from the West, and their big question is, what on earth is okra? I'd love to see you guys do a section on okra and turnips and broccoli and Brussels sprouts, those kind of vegetables. But they, with a eyebrows raised, said, what in the world is okra? And I know we know it, we love it, but maybe focus on how it's prepared, how to eat it, uh, etc. Indeed, we can do that. We have not done an okra show in a in a few years, and it Malcolm, may be time to it's revisit time. okra. It's a higher a higher calling. Uh, okra is planted in the fields, um, right? Well, we will do that, Mike. That's a great suggestion. Uh, I would say a show about the vegetables that are native and local would would be great. Uh, but okra is certainly um, a centerpiece of all of this, and we will focus an entire show all about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and we have within our food world, we have a couple of okra experts that we have do. written books that we could oh. invite to be with us. Yeah. Maybe we could write an ode to the ode, okra. Ode to the okra. I'm starting right now. I'll tell you the truth. When I was a kid, my dad ate the slimy okra boiled and made us almost puke. But when I got older, I discovered fried okra and absolutely love it. And I tried to tell my friends that because they know okra is a slimy vegetable. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. There's a really good okra, fried okra. So I would appreciate it if you really would do a story, uh, a show on that for those that are moving into this area that have not been Southerners, maybe from other parts of the country. We're on it. We're on it. Thank and you Mike, for the call. Um, if you if you have some time, uh, we do have a show from in our in our archives um, uh, about okra um, that we did in 2020. Uh, we talked with uh, author Chris Smith, who wrote the uh, book "The Whole Okra: A Seed to Stem Celebration," and it uh, even talks a little bit about Delta State, the fighting okra. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, that's in our podcast, um, Mike. But appreciate the suggestion, and we will. Um, you know, look for that in the future. Yeah, I think we should annually revisit okra. There's it's, never it's a, too much it's a, okra. One of the stars of the Southern cuisine. It is, and I uh, have to think about Donna Barksdale's mother would give me okra, fried okra, for my birthday, or mm-hmm. she would bring a little cone full at Halloween. She made the best fried okra in the world, and that is what she would give to me: hot uh. fried okra. Well, that's a great one. Also on the phone now, calling from the Mississippi Gulf Coast from Pascagoula, Brother Daniel's on the phone. Hello, brother. Hey, what's going on, man? I heard y'all had a good parade. Yes, indeed. Well, I wish we'd had indeed. that. I wish we'd had that down here. I'm trying to tell you, and don't worry, I didn't forget about y'all. And we're the, waiting uh, for that blue. That was the blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> She did, she's kind of sick today because I was going to have her speak on it. But don't worry, we ain't forget you. Last mm. night. Talk is cheap. <laughs> Look, last night she made Cajun sausage split pea soup. Ooh, I love it. With Richard sausage. If you know Richard sausage, you know we're talking real sausage. Richard then, sausage. Then she put some of that Mississippi up north sausage in there together and then added the greens, mm. took the greens with it, and then put a little of the greens in the pit pea soup. I tell you, I'm healed. 
I'm healed, Mississippi. I'm healed. <laughs> you and Malcolm are both yeah, healed. We're this both morning. on the mend. We're, and we're thankful. All right. Hey, but I love y'all, man. I love y'all. Keep it up. Thank you, brother. We always appreciate your dialing in and then taking the next step of calling in. And we welcome all callers at one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or if you don't want to call you can shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org Let's hear some soup stories. Indeed. Give us a call. Carol and I and Job also, all three of us united together, will take a break and we will return and we will talk about all kind of stuff, including the springtime vegetables and what awaits us at farmer markets and all sorts of fresh, cool springtime notions. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Good morning, you're listening to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White, Carol Puggett, Java Chapman. We are here. It is Monday. We're going to talk about food. What'd you eat over the weekend, Carol? Malcolm, I was marching in the parade. Oh, you were too busy to eat. And I was. I <laughs> ate Fritos and cubed cheese oh off goodness. of someone's little buffet at the parade. Okay. So and you just stopped that, in at a random uh, <laughs> tailgate and just help yourself? Well, it wasn't random. It was it was uh, one of your sponsors had ah, had okay. some Good. had some food out there. But going home from the parade, I was so tired. I was face first and never even yeah. I slept through supper. Well, it would not surprise you to know that I ate a bowl of soup and went to bed. But yesterday uh, was a great day. I was in charge of cleanup. So I spent the first part of the day, the first five hours of the morning, cleaning up downtown Jackson uh, with the amazing uh, John Gomez of Downtown Jackson Partners, who helped me with this monumental task. Uh, As you know, Carol, I complained often that I was told I had to be in charge of cleanup this year, and I had no idea where to begin or how to do it. But uh, I got my buddy John Gomez uh, at Downtown Partners to help me. And we put together this plan, and it was executed miraculously and perfectional. And it was remarkable. We started at 6 a.m. with sweeper trucks and dumpsters and blowers and uh, inmates uh, from Mississippi uh, uh, prisons, and we had some county uh, inmates, and in and, and the county and the city, uh, they they came together, and the plan uh, was implemented, and it took five hours. So by 11:30, all of downtown was clean, and it looked like the parade never happened. And all I can say was, it's a miracle. And thank you, John Gomez. Absolutely. I- but anyway, so I didn't have much to eat um, Saturday, but now yesterday, Carol was going to make me a treat. So she made uh, taco salad, 
which is an interesting dish, which I knew used to never eat taco salad. But she made a beautiful uh, platter of all of these condiments and then sauteed some ground beef with, uh, you know, tomatoes and onions and garlic and all that and had this beautiful butter lettuce and these giant bowls. And I just piled lettuce, ground beef, cheese, salsa, rice, black beans, guacamole, and, and on and on and on it went and had this gigantic bowl uh, of uh, taco salad, and it was good. And, and it's again, it's not one of those dishes that I knew a lot It's a, a throwback. Of, it's a throwback, exactly. Yeah, it is. Um, boy, and I took we a picture. I took a picture, and I meant to post it on uh, cooking and coping, but I didn't because I but you will. to do so. But I'm going to show it to you right now. But this is the way she presented it. Look at that, y'all! My goodness, listeners, it, you can't see this, but soon you will be able to. Because it's I'm like a platter cook. instead of the normal taco salad. It's like a lazy it's just Susan. Like a dump. It's <laughs> it's beautiful. Little little compartments of wonderful condiments yeah to place in the bowl you married well are, are you a taco salad uh, yeah that's what i wanted to say it's a it's a lunchroom staple and that's where <laughs> my taco salad uh days began but yeah i'll go to uh various restaurants and get a taco salad because they put it in the um in the uh, the uh, the shell yeah bowl that's right and now then, we know, didn't have the shells but we okay. did have chips to yeah. dip you know to dip along with yes in taco salad cult that was you know that big old big chip giant bowl. chip bowl that was <laughs> yeah. like an uh-huh. add right yeah the taco salad started very humbly with you just had some uh do you know the history chips? of the taco no salad? you think it began in california we got i bet you anything you did not believe in, did it begin in mexico <laughs> of course not of course not We'll, we'll have to do. Well, a I'm happy for you, Mal. Well, thank you. So that was really great. That was the first solid meal that I had had since Monday, as I told you, because I fell ill on Monday. What a way and was to come out swinging! <laughs> it was just soup, 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 <laughs> crackers, saltines, you know, real Pow! and real Coke, not Diet Coke. Right. I don't. know. What is it about the real Coke that's considered curative? I don't know. Somebody needs to tell us it because it, it's true. Yeah, but tomato soup for me is always the go-to. Yeah. All right, we got a caller on the phone. Let's see. We're going. We've we were in Pascagoula, uh, and we were all the way up in Hernando. Now we're going south to Mobile, Alabama, and Mikey is on the phone. Hey, good morning. I never met a cheese or a soup that I didn't like. Mm, you and me both. <laughs> or a potato or a bread or a rice. Okay. Uh, never mind. Stop me. Uh, uh, thank you so much. This is a wonderful show. It sounds. Uh, thank you for describing what you wore. You know, bucket heads. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just sounds like so much fun. Next year, there's probably going to be 150,000. Maybe. Folks there. Maybe. I mean, you know, and I'm probably going to be one of them. Uh, All right. But, uh, uh, I'm calling with a neighborhood story. Um, and this involves sharing, planting, growing, co- you know, helping each other out and eating, of course. Um, I've been. Uh, since I can no longer lift leaves over the height of my fence because I'm old and I don't have the upper body strength, I went ahead and asked some young men who were working on 
raking leaves and, and cutting grass and mixing them in with them and putting them in bags if they would help me with getting the bags over the fence. Well, lo and behold, not only one but two different neighbors were so sweet and so kind and did it so quickly that um, it, it's really going to save me hours and hours of work. But what I was able, you know, it's like, and I said, well, can I pay you? And they said, no, you know. I said, well, your kindness and your sweetness, I mean, they're just wonderful guys. Yeah. Um, um, uh, one was, had been a, a football player. Um, and uh, <laughs> I just said, this, you have not, this saves me not hours, but days. And it also will make future flowers and future vegetables. There you go. And, um, and when, when, when they refused payment in greens, um, one of them I had, I had extra pairs of gardening gloves, which I knew he could use. And uh, the other, um, I had, uh, I, we taught, he, we've been taught, he said, I said, well, you're keeping a good diet because he was talking about his injury on his knee, which is common for football players, of course. And I, and I said, well, you're keeping a good diet. And he said, yeah, I love greens. And I said, yeah, I love greens too. And he said, yeah, collards and, and mustards and um, turnip greens, all those. I said, yeah, and the, our problem here in the South, this, this part of the South especially, is that you're going to start not have it gets too hot too fast right keep keep them going i said but i've got one that i don't hear many people talk about i have heard felder i'm i'm going to come back to the felder thing um uh recommend it uh but i've got one that i can grow all summer in fact all winter and it's it's uh, it's purslane and so i said can i pay you in green and he said, sure. All I right. Brought, I, brought, I brought this pot of greens over to the fence, and I said, well, the pot's kind of ratty because, you know, it, it's plastic, and it was, you know, right. hanging pot. The edges break down, but the rest of it was fine. But but he seemed so pleased with it, and I, I pinched off the top of it, and, and uh, I gave it to him, and, and he says, well, he smelled it, and I went, he said, what do you want me to do? I said, go ahead and taste it because I want you to know what it is, you know. It's like, um. And I had to go back and pick out a pot that did. I said, the, the other one here is shamrock. You can eat a little of that. It ain't going to kill you, but it's don't eat too much because the oxalic acid. Anyway, he, you know, we, we talked about greens for a little while longer, and he was so delighted with that simple hanging pot of greens. And I was so delighted with that, the bags of things that I'm going to grow flowers and vegetables in. Um, for the future and share with other people, and he's going to share with other people. But that the, the purslane is edible. I purslane, know yes. Year. Well, that's a great story of, of, of gifting good eats for labor. And, and helping our neighbor. And loving one another. All right. Thank you so much, Mikey, from Mobile. And it seems like we've got a trend going here. We've got another caller from Mobile, Alabama. Jesse is on the phone. Hello, Jesse. How's it going? Feeling better? Much better, thank you. The soup has done wonders. And the taco salad. Now, if there's ever a intestinal or stomach issue, cranberries has always been the natural go-to. Good advice. Good advice. Good advice. Tart is an understatement when it comes to cranberries. If you're in the grocery aisle and you see the plastic containers, they'll say cranberry, but as you read the first three ingredients, you haven't gotten the cranberries yet. If you're on the glass bottle aisle, cranberry will normally have one ingredient. Cranberry. Gotcha. 
if you can take it straight, <laughs> it'll help your stomach out. Gotcha. It coats your stomach so whatever's in your stomach doesn't have a chance to multiply and affect you. It gets cycled out with the trash, as it were. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to add cranberry juice uh, to my curative uh, counter in the pantry right next to the tomato soup. I'm going to start stocking pure cranberry juice. And I want to add ginger tea or anything ginger to your pantry. Okay. Yes. We, I have some ginger tea. I didn't think about that. Now you're going back to the Romans who would eat their feast and then have ginger when they would start their second feast by getting rid of the first feast the old-fashioned way, which nobody would do today. But that's why ginger and gingerbread are known to what they are today, thanks to the Romans. All right. The funky Romans did so much. Man, yeah. we appreciate that. Those are great tips. Cranberries, right. ginger. Have what else you got? Oh, the leaves next door, my mom and dad would rake leaves. Well, we would rake leaves while they supervised. <laughs> <laughs> and they would line the garden and then burn the leaves to right. fertilize for the next season. Exactly. You can't even burn in Jackson anymore. Uh, but uh, back in the old days, growing up rural, we burned leaves yep. all throughout the fall and into oh, the, the early summer. And spr- I mean, spring. Love good we burning leaves. definition of rural. <laughs> so, houses in wooded areas, so yeah. not really a city scenario. Uh-huh. Well, that, those are all great tips, uh, and, and we kind of have a leaf burning and leaf gathering uh, theme going here, Carol. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, we Mulching, do. burning, leafing. And like Jesse said, if you could take the cranberry... That's straight out of the glass because it's cranberry in the glass bottle and cranberry in the plastic bottle are two different animals. One is sugar-based. Because <laughs> I had that uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, that pure cranberry, and I was like, this is not ocean spray. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, was the, that was the real deal. <laughs> Were you having it because of an illness or are you just trying it out? Well, you, yeah, um, not so much an illness, but um, if you take a little pieces of cran, you know, drink uh, cranberry, uh, like Carol said, with the ginger, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of just little herbal remedies. So you were doing that because you weren't feeling well? Well, no, just, just, just that, that's health. your normal. He took for yeah, health. For health. Oh, that I is why Java looks so healthy. That's why he's so healthy. And I'm over here puny with a stomach virus. Yep, yep, that's it. It's a nice, it's a nice little regimen, though. Yep. Some uh, different places around the city you can get uh, different shots. A shooter, of, yeah. Yeah, the shot, shooters. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I will tell you this, Java. It was your text that uh, got me thinking about talking about the soup because when I let both of you know I was kind of puny, you wrote me a nice text and told me to eat some saltine crackers and drink ginger ale is what you said. Yeah, soup, yeah, <laughs> soup ginger ale, and uh, saltine crackers. And you have to, you know, incorporate some kind of counseling with daytime television. It's, okay. a, it's, it's a different, it's a, it's it's a different type animal. of remedy. So, uh, couch surfing, daytime TV. Yeah, I mean, something along the lines of like Price is Right or Murder, mm. She Wrote or Matlock, something like that. Huh. In the Heat of the Night reruns. You heard yeah. it here. Oh, you did, you did tell me to watch Heat of the Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the other, the, other, the other piece of advice he offered me. Jesse, see what you have started here. And we thank you. Thank you so much, Jesse. You always have something interesting for us. 
All right. All right, I guess it's break time again. Is yeah. It? All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll make some stuff up, and we'll and call it Deep South Dining. Yeah. I want to talk about cold soups. Cold soups. If you guys yeah. are game for that. Oh, totally. We're going to talk about cold soups when we come back. Anything you guys want to talk about, but we won't know what's on your hearts and minds unless you dial one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send us an email. Address to food at mpbonline.org. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back. Deep South Dining, Monday morning, right here on MPB Think Radio. Java Chapman, Carol Puckett, Malcolm White. Here we are. Here we are. We got a caller. We're going to take the caller, and then Carol's going to talk about cold soups, which I think are fantastic. I used to think they were gross, but I love them now. So let's go to Starkville, Mississippi, probably somewhere in and around the University of Mississippi State or Mississippi State University. We've got Joan on the phone, and she's calling about an event that's going on in Starkville. Hey, Joan. Hi. This um, I'm excited about the fact this Saturday we have the International Fiesta, which is on the uh, MSU drill field from 11 till 3. I love the drill field. Yes, I do too. And we have um, our international students and international community preparing food from their home countries, and it is for sale. And in addition to that, we have entertainment and a parade of flags and activities for the children and all sorts of fun things. And it's just a fabulous time in Starkville, Mississippi. That's our great. invitation must have gotten, gotten lost, lost in, in the, the mail. So, Joan, is this your first uh, first time for this, or is this a reoccurring event? It is a reoccurring event. This is number 30. <gasps> 30 and years, has, Carol, and you and I are still in the dark. I know, and poor Java is just shaking his head Can't over believe here. It. Next year. I will say this, Next Joan. Next year in Starkville. We are really happy that you called and, and hipped us to this, and we will hope that our listeners in the area and outside the area will travel to Starkville this Saturday. For the 30th annual International Fiesta on the campus of Mississippi State University Drillfield, the center, the heartbeat of dog country right there. You got it. And Malcolm, just one thing. What a way to celebrate the diversity, the international diversity of Mississippi State. I don't know if you've walked around the campus, but we are so lucky to have People from all over the world in Starkville and get, giving them a chance right. to make their food now, and Joan, show off their thing. Correct. It's a, it's a fabulous idea, particularly students involved in culinary activities and sharing and selling and promoting. Now, Joan, you've probably never noticed it, but there's a historical marker there on the drill field dedicated to my one semester at Mississippi State. Yay! <laughs> so be sure and include that in the in the uh, celebration. It was in his list of five or six. There are markers dotted. The state is dotted with markers that Malcolm White went to college here. But I'll tell you this: all joking aside, there are places all 
across the landscape where I lo- love to retreat to, and they're special to me, and they're, they're places that, that restore my soul, and they're meditative. And one of them is on the drill field. In front, of the old, in front of the library, there's that little fountain there with the bench. And when I was at Mississippi State, failing out, struggling, flopping about, I would go there and sit and... Um, and sort of uh, ponder ponder the, the possibilities on the restlessness of your life <laughs> of my soul. All right, Joan. Thanks a lot for calling. Thanks for listening. Okay. And that's eleven to three. Eleven a.m. to three p.m. Uh, yep. on the yep. drill field in the center of the campus at Mississippi State University, you the International yes. Fiesta Festival. Yes, you are right. Is yes. it Thank free? So and much. is it free and open yes. to the public? Free and open to the public. The only thing that costs anything is the food, but we have entertainment and activities and um, bouncy houses and all sorts of fun oh, things boy. for everybody. Starts with a parade of flags. We I love a parade. Flags, 130 yeah. flags that march across a drill field. So Gosh. it's really fantastic. Hey, Joan, can you name a few of the culinary offerings that might be available out there? Some of the foods with? that the kids cook? Yeah, I know one of the the Filipino group is going to roast a pig. Mm, So that'll be very exciting. And um, we always have um, the the Chinese group that do wonderful things and the Thai group. And, oh, oh my gosh. We have a lot of Indian students. I bet there's going to be some good stuff. And Nepalese. We have a lot of Nepalese students. And, um, well, I mean, we're we're from across the world, everybody. So it's... um, and the, the Hispanic group, of course, will have stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, you name it, and you can find it there. And even right. things that you don't know about are there. You think there will be some <laughs> cold soups for sale out there on the I drill I bet field? there will. I bet there will be, too. Well, depends how, what the temperature is outside, yep. whether it will be cold okay. or not. <laughs> All right, John, we really appreciate you calling and sharing this most valuable information with us. And we will hope that some of our listeners will attend, if not us in person, Carol. It's Saturday. Um, But if you attend, we would appreciate a call next week for a report on the International Fiesta Festival. And what you ate. What you ate and what all occurred at the International Ah, Fiesta Festival. All right, Carol, let's turn our attention toward cold soups. Well, I want to turn my attention to that. But before we do, we have a really big thank you to give. Okay. And that is to Mike Wagner for the 25-pound boxes of rice that he sent each of us. All three of us have 25 pounds of rice now in our lives. It's fantastic. And we are the perfect people to have that. And we are so grateful. I I thought it was one of the most interesting interviews we've done in a long time. What about you, Java? Yeah, Mike is a great guy, and he was play, playing shy, but he's he knows he knows his rice. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, I'll never look at, at rice the same. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, we never think of it as just, you know, white rice in a bag no. at the grocery store. No, and it's Mississippi grown. And, uh, and we also have to thank Leanne Galt, who pr- cooked all that rice for us for that show. And provided we all could that hardly be rice. on the radio for for know, crunching for, rice. For, there you go. For, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we had sable rice, we had jasmine rice, we had scarlet, the red rice. You know, this is going to be good at my house because my wife is a fabulous rice maker, 
And, hey, speaking of rice and rice making, do you have one of those rice cookers, Carol? I, I should get one of those. No, I, I do not. But that is the best way. I mean, if you go into any Asian person's home, right. always have a rice cooker. When you go to anywhere in Asia, everybody, it's it's like the, the you know, toaster yeah, of yeah. You it's know, more important Asia. than the it microwave. Is, it is. Yeah. It is. So, it is so important. But it does. It does make perfect. Yeah, perfect rice. I but think I, I also make perfect get, rice. Well, you make perfect rice, but tell us how. And, and well, so many was, people I, end up with wet, gummy, yeah. overcooked. Crystal does a good rice. I can't. I can't for, for can't the figure life. it out. If it's not at the top. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because there are more than three steps. That's why I can't get it. <laughs> well, I read I will, the first two or three, so and I'm like, simple. ah, just it throw is, some water in It is so simple. And I learned this in 1981 on a visit to the Philippines oh, in right. a friend's home. And the cook just couldn't believe I thought rice was hard. Two to one, one cup of rice, two cups of water. Butter. If you like. <laughs> Salt, Salt, yeah. If you like, turn the wa- turn, turn it on when the stove it on. when it comes to a boil. Turn it top uh, on it. No, when it comes to a boil, you stir it one time. Mm. Put a lid on it. Crank the heat down low for Simmer. fourteen minutes. Fourteen minutes. Fourteen Not minutes. Thirteen and then let and it. Half. Yeah, then let it sit. This was what Carmen and Evie in the Philippines. Taught Sounds me many years simple, ago. Okay. But I'm still Two skeptical. to one, salt, boil, Low add it, rice, stir, stir one time, top on. 14 minutes. 14 minutes, and not a, a minute few. more or less. <laughs> well, Carol. You can do it more or less. More or less. <laughs> but can, it's that 15th minute that's going to get you. It's going to get It's going to get you. Get now, Carol knows how to do this. It, hers is, well, of course, she grew up eating lots of pilaf. Oh, yes, so, she's so Armenian. She's a, yes, she's Armenian. Our mother is. And lots of rice, lots of pilaf. So she, I would she, give never, her she a gets rice it every cooker. time. And me, I'm like, is it ready? I got to make sure, you know, put the top back on, take it off. Oh, yeah. don't stir it, blah, blah, blah. Well, get a rice cooker. Okay, get a rice cooker. What about rice cookers for wedding gifts? Well, it be beats like, a crock pot. <laughs> Would that be assuming too much? Was is that overstepping when you give someone a rice cooker for a wedding you know, gift? I don't think so. You know, um, well, you know, you have a wedding coming up. <laughs> I'm, I'm fishing here. <laughs> that was I'm, nice. I'm so old. But you know, people, <laughs> Malcolm is fishing. I didn't even think of that. Um, but my first go around, it was the age of, and I lived in the Midwest, the age of crock pots and yes, salad you spinners. You lived that'll, up north. That'll uh, that'll date me. Okay. But I think rice is a wonderful present. And may you're I running talk out of about, time for cold soup. Okay, well I'm demanding that we do it again because after your hot soups that are restorative, I wanted to talk about cold soups and the culture of cold soups because most every country has their cold soups. Okay. And Do you know exact- what the number one cold soup in the world is? Gazpacho. You are a powerful psychic. Well, I mean, I, it's the most commonly known, I would think, um, of, of the cold soups, except maybe vichyssoise, Vichy- which is a cold potato soup that Vichy- I like. You know. is actually number five, vichyssoise oh. is. 
But, Why don't you give us the list? <laughs> and, well, what I wanted what I wanted to tell y'all is some of the really the most uh, powerful cold soups in the world were started in the south of Spain in Andalusia. That's where gazpacho started. Uh, it started pre. Uh, it's between the 8th and 13th centuries wow. before tomatoes were introduced. I mean, tomatoes there, there were, were no tomatoes before Vichyssoise. <laughs> <laughs> the tomatoes were not even introduced till the 17th century because the explorers brought them back from Mexico. But, right. but you know, they made it with garlic and beans and and other things. Mm-hmm. But uh, the women would make the gazpacho for their uh, farmer. Spouses, okay. you know, for for wow. lunch because they're hot working in the field, and yeah, you know, and that's not the only one they, that involves they cucumbers, their, right? It does. It it involves cucumbers, peppers, tomatoes, garlic. Uh huh. Yeah. Cold. Cold. I don't. It, I've never had a cold soup. <clears throat> I always associate soups with a right. warming factor. Gotcha. So I yes, don't know but this is why this conversation is important because you you love side. them or hate or hate them or you become converted like Malcolm. I love them both, but surely, you know, historically, <laughs> you know, going back in time to the curative powers of soup, which I shared earlier, I think of warm, but I have learned to love the cold soup as well because in the heat of summer the night in the heat of the night the heat of the night there is nothing like a cold soup and in eastern europe you know borscht and all the countries in eastern europe have their their beet soups their oh, yeah. you know hearty yeah. beet beet soups which actually borscht was borscht. started in the ukraine People think of it as Russian, but it was actually started in Ukraine Our and chef. now adapted adapted all over. But they also eat it cold in the summer. Hmm. Yeah. I bet McKee you didn't know that. Wadlington, our chef at Hallamouse, featured borscht shortly after the invasion of Ukraine to show Hallamouse united support. But it was fabulous. Beet soup is really good. Yeah. When, so you've got um, the top five cold soups? Yes, and, t- and the top two of them are from Andalusia. The second one is uh, Salmorejo, and it is made like a gazpacho, but it's much thicker, and it has uh, has bread in it. Oh, I love bread and soup. I know. I love toasted bread and soup. And, and just do like— Do you put your crackers down in your soup, or do you keep them— out of there. I think I put them in there sometime when it's hot to. soup. Java? Yeah, you put them in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. with a hot soup, yes. Yeah, just throw them in. Uh-huh. Crunch them up. Yeah, they get crunchy, and then after a while, it get kind of soggy, but it's a little extra. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Carol, continue with the well, cold soup Malcolm, countdown. The cold I, soup I, countdown I brought to you by Deep South Dining I really don't want to slaughter p- uh, people's languages, but the next two are from Lithuania. Oh, good and, luck. <laughs> Salta Barsiai and Salta Barsiai and Chotnik Etuski. These are both Natuski. Both cold soups. And um, anyway, wow. I, I and just, what are they made? What vegetables? Are, are beetroot. They, all be, all beets. Okay. All right. all, be, all beets. Different different Beat variations. Beet daddy ate to the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, when I was in Austria this fall, uh, we 
ate a lot of borscht there. So it's uh-huh. it's an all over Eastern Europe thing. And your favorite cold soup? My favorite cold soup is gazpacho. But I'm also a fan of the cold fruit soups. The cold fruit soups. Yes. In Java, this is is really, really refreshing uh, in the summer, like cold watermelon soup, Uh uh, cold honeydew soup. Now, what makes it a soup and not just a slushy? Nice. Do you yes. cook the watermelon? No. No. You it's don't. all raw. Yeah, it's all raw. It's you like put a it in smoothie. the blender. Yeah, honeydew soup. You mm-hmm. put your honeydew melon. You put. Savory, like, do you put onions and peppers and garlic in, in there? In some of them, like cucumber soup, you do. In wow. a lot of dill. Like the gazpacho. Yeah, a lot of dill, but like a honeydew melon soup, you, you know, put some orange juice in your honeydew, and if you need a little drop of. Sweetness, honey, or agave, but uh-huh. delicious peach soup. Sounds I mean, what terrific. better to to serve when it's really, really hot? But for some reason, cold soups are controversial, and I do love a food controversy. I think they should have a, a different name. You know what I say? Soup. I say stir it up. <laughs> stir it up. <laughs> stir it a pot. <laughs> well, that's great. That's a good report on cold soups. We've talked about hot soups. And their curative powers. We've talked about cold soups and their remarkable zestiness is what I envision here. Well, one more thing that I thought of you when I was doing some research. You kind of got me thinking the other night. And they actually found soup bowls in a cave in China that were over 5,000 years old. And I don't know how they know they were they were soup bowls. I guess they can test mm. what's in it. So they know that people figured out soup. They probably figured out soup when they figured out fire. Therefore, the hot soup came before the cold. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> that would be our hypothesis. All righty. I'll tell you one thing that I know about, and that is that Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. I also know that we are funded by generous contributions from listeners like you, so be generous. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, the one and only Carol Puckett, a Buckethead judge, I am Malcolm White and what's left of him. We ask that you now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's show, entitled Now You're Talking, followed at 11 by Southern Remedy in case you have a stomach virus. Join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining, and you hear it exclusively on MPB Think Radio.